my number one goal is to always know how that client operates and what they're open to. And making sure that I have a pulse on all of our accounts really allows me to bridge those gaps and make sure that I know exactly what those clients are after. Danielle, I am such a fan of our guest today and her responses. I feel like the what we just heard, that little golden nugget at the top of the show is just one of many where I was practically fist pumping in the background. And it just is a very, very empowering episode today. Lots of good insight. Of course, we are speaking to the amazing Hannah Tooker, VP of content for Lane Terrelieber. She talks through um, really just sort of, I think the underlying theme that I got from this was like empowerment, like empowerment to be your best and to not always have to have the answer and to not have to react. And there's something really wonderful about having a, a the VP of content for a very, very large agency tell you that like you actually can have this power to just take a step. I don't know, Daniel, it was I loved this conversation today. Indeed. And I, you know, it's always nice to have agency guests on because the social changes so fast, but for, for an agency, so often you kind of put in the position of trying to, uh, to do the work while you're, you're informing the client how the work should be done. And you're just trying to learn how, like, keep up with things. It's, it's such a tough environment. Uh, and it's nice to, to hear kind of uh, how, how one does keep that machine going and Hannah, of course, manages a, a big team of really, really exceptional people. Uh, and she's an exceptional human, too. So we're excited that she's here this week. And uh, we also wanted, before we get into the show, to recommend you go check out our amazing show sponsor, ICUC. They are the global leader in social media community management and, a, and digital customer care. They're available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year for 19 years and counting. With their community-driven results, they will help you increase time, response time, grow your social audience, increase online sales, and so much more. You can book a consultation with a representative from ICUC, someone on their team, at icuc.social to begin turning your social media channels into business success. That's icuc.social. And now back to this week's episode with Hannah Tooker at Lane Terra Lever. So Hannah Tucker, welcome to Social Pros. We are delighted to have you, your VP of content at Lane Terra Lever, of course. And uh, why don't we just start and kind of jump in with, give give us a sense of what Lane Terra Lever is up to, the kind of clients, obviously agency environment. So the kind of clients that you you work on in your, your role there at Lane Terra Lever. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here um, with you. Uh, we're up to a lot. We've got a lot of different clients across a lot of different verticals. Um, we focus on B2B. We've got some B2C. We've got healthcare, gaming. Um, we've got some really great attractions and entertainment clients that we love to work on. And then my personal favorite, some of our nonprofit clients. Um, I like to spend a lot of time with them. And my role is really just overseeing a team of brilliant strategists and making sure that everything we're doing for our clients is moving the needle on their goals. Um, really interested in refining those goals over time and making sure that we understand what they're after, 
and we can align our content creation to uh, meet what it is that they're trying to do. And I mean, it's a tough environment, social in an eight. Uh, I should preface agency environments in general can be kind of tough. You feel like you're often painting the, the car as it's in motion or trying to bolt the wheels onto the car as it's going down the road. But that's even more so in in social, like trying to learn what's happening in social while also being in the position of trying to counsel clients on that very same thing. They may have, you know, in some cases, asked the question before you even knew that the question existed. You know, what's up on TikTok? What's up with this trend? What's up with Twitter? Uh, so I, I'm curious, you know, how do you try to stay ahead of that uh, and and be in that position of of, you know, delivering good counsel, wise counsel, that kind of thing? Sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, we talk a lot about work-life balance in an agency, and I am hopeful that a lot of folks get that. But I think when you work in social, you're kind of a student of life as much as you are, um, you know, doing practical social media on the day-to-day. So I don't think my team ever turns off the learning. Um, We're always in the platforms. We're experimenting personally. Um, we're trying to make sure that we understand everything that's going on. Um, and then sometimes we get hit with curveballs. Sometimes threads drops. Sometimes Twitter rebrands to X. Sometimes these things happen. And uh, of course, our clients are coming to us for our best recommendations. Um, something that I think is interesting and is a conversation we've been having with some of our clients lately is really trying to get them to go back to the fundamentals of what they're trying to do with their content. Um, I am a firm believer that you don't need to be on every platform if it's not the right platform for you. And I think these things that are coming up um, give us an opportunity to really level set and say, all right, what are our goals? Let's revisit those goals and try and understand what each channel is doing for us as a brand. And then, you know, if there is a place for these new channels, what does that look like? And a lot of times with agencies, we have to um, be realistic about how we're able to use these channels. You know, you look at a channel like Threads, where as an agency partner, we're probably not going to get full permission to jump in there and start saying whatever it is that we want. And if that's the case, then we're looking at two weeks of approvals before content goes live. And that makes it challenging to use the platform in the spirit of what it was intended for. So I just try to just be really honest and straightforward with the intention of the platform and how it works for the brand. And if those two things align, then we move forward. Yeah, it can be really hard, especially being on the agency side and have, as you had just mentioned, even, you know, that delay in timing too. Like oftentimes you are so beholden to how fast your client can move in order to make the best recommendations for them. And so, yeah, there's so much, uh, there's so many more complexities, I think, sometimes when we start to talk about agencies and how they serve clients in social. And obviously, you know, from the the client perspective, you know, they're in, in their organizations getting internal approval too, but it kind of all waterfalls down as well. Um, I'm curious. So because you are sometimes caught in the middle between all of these things, and how do you know exactly when and how hard to push on things, right? So let's say, you know, you are uh, trying to get something up and running that is, a, you know, it's a pressing matter for a client, but they're seeking internal approvals, you know, and 
you know, you're having to follow up with them. Like there is just such a fine line of how hard you press and how often. So have you found that balance? And what does that look like? Because it can be hard. Like you don't want to cross a line. It's technically not your account, you know, like, you know, it's your account on the agency side, but you don't ultimately control it. It's a balance. So have you found it? I want to say yes. Um, I'm going I'm going to say yes with caveats. So first being every relationship with every client is different. So my number one goal is to always know how that client operates and what they're open to. Are they risk averse? If they are, we have to attack this differently than we might attack something with a client that is really gung-ho about trying new things. And making sure that I have a pulse on all of our accounts really allows me to bridge those gaps and make sure that I know exactly what those clients are after. But then the other thing that I find um, that's helpful for us is just equipping them with all the information. A lot of times they're not making the decision. They're running it up the ladder. And if they're ill-equipped to have that conversation, then our conversation is not going anywhere. So putting together all of that information and making sure that they feel like they can be successful, powered by what we're telling them is going to be really essential. And uh, sometimes we honestly will just position it as a test. Like we don't need you to commit to this long term. All we want to know is whether or not this is going to perform for you. And we can run it as a pilot and see what we see and get some learnings and then understand if this is a place where we want to move forward or if we don't think this is a good use of our resources. Yeah, I love that approach of setting expectations as a pilot, because sometimes you don't know, like, you know, in theory, what's going to work, but then it's not until like rubber hits the road that you're really going to know how that specific effort performs for that very specific client in that very specific situation with their audiences like they're I loved Yeah, you're you're yes with caveats. Um, because I feel like that is just agency life in general, like, will this work? Yes. But like, yes, but or yes, and we won't know until we run the pilot or like, yes. And it feels like it feels like, especially with agency life, there is a lot of that like, yes, with caveats. Yeah, we call it we call it the improv style of agency. That's the yes. And uh, but you have to be comfortable operating in that type of environment for sure. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, see what I did there. Improv style. <laughs> You're also sometimes, speaking of being on the agency side, having to guide clients through their efforts, but then also to kind of have to clean up some efforts or some bad advice that they've received along the ways. Or, you know, I know in agencies past, you know, we've gotten a hold of social accounts and profiles and we've been like, whoa, hey, you know, to your point, Hannah, let's go back to the foundation and kind of reset here because you've gone off and jumped steps three, four, and five, and are trying to go into step 10 when you got to go back to step two. So how do you navigate those conversations in sort of that improv style of like, yes, and we can, you know, develop this full campaign for you. And we're going to go back and fix your issues. It's a good question. And uh, luckily, we have a process. Um, so I always whenever we're bringing on a new social client, um, if they want to hit the ground running, and they're ready to get content out right away, of course, we work in an agency. We don't really say no. We'll say yes. But in tandem with that, um, we won't start work on a new social account without taking a look at their foundational strategy. And if that's not readily available, then we will work with them to create one. Because 
if they end up leaving us in the future, I want them to be able to take something with them that says, this is the foundation of our content strategy. This is what we do. Here's how we do it. And here's why. And if they can have that moving forward, that not only gives that North Star to my team as they're creating content, but it also allows them to establish their brand in a way that lives on beyond whatever we're doing. Um, and I really like having that foundation built before we get too far down the road of just creating content for the sake of creating content. That almost sounds like uh, a strong and white type of approach uh, to <laughs> to strategy. If you're familiar with uh, copywriting and editing, I'm a huge fan of strong and white, omitting words you don't need uh, and that kind of thing. And, and uh, indeed, a lot of times I have found having myself worked in the agency environment that a lot of those those strategy plan those those things tend to be word salad. It's you know it was written maybe by an ad agency for an ad campaign, but it isn't really necessarily kind of connected to the core brand, and and sometimes can be very difficult to translate into day to day actionable things that you you're doing for managing content, managing channels, managing the audience. Um, and actually, wanted to ask you. Uh, I know you care deeply about kind of an audience first uh, approach. Uh, and I kind of wanted to ask you ab about that because sometimes uh, what I have found with, uh, this is often the case with brand clients in particular, they make assumptions about what an audience is or where they should show up, but don't necessarily take the time to understand how that channel behaves, how the audience on that channel behaves, which can change from channel to channel. Uh, what are some some ways you kind of coach um, your clients through thinking through that process in a constructive kind of yes and way? Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot to what you just said. First, do they even understand who their audiences are? And if not, how do we get them to that point? Second, how do we make that tangible and actionable for them? Um, and I'm not going to get this right because I don't know exactly where I picked it up. But years ago, I picked up this way of approaching social tone of voice for clients that um, I actually think I borrowed from someone who worked for men's health, but their tone of voice was an older brother having a beer with a younger brother and talking about health. Right. And that struck me because I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense to position this in a way that someone can understand who's doing the talking, who's on the receiving end of it, and what are they saying? And so now when we put together our social strategies, I encourage the team to think through that. Who is doing the talking here? What, you know, that is just as important as who they're talking to. And then how are they saying what they're saying? And it's not going to be the same for every channel. Sometimes, you know, we have clients who want to be on LinkedIn and they want to be on Instagram. And those two are different and we create different strategies and we think about those audiences differently. But if the foundation is the same and we sort of know that tone of voice and we know the guidelines for how we're speaking, we can then adjust by channel as needed to make sure that we're hitting the goals of those channels. I don't know who wrote that, who wrote that for men's health, but, and I'm assuming that's true that. I don't either, but big credit to them. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a thing that they would, they would publish. Uh, they haven't met my brother. <laughs> it would have a very different tone. In a very different voice from that my my big brother to me talking about health, but that notwithstanding, I have uh, 
always enjoyed Men's Health magazine. I think they they do have good content, and it actually does feel a, a lot like that kind of brotherly advice, not so much uh, preachy. And and that's a, that raises an important point because sometimes the creator of content, even on the if you have a close client relationship, you can end up being somewhat removed. And sometimes you have multiple layers removed from the actual client themselves. So documenting things in a way that like a, a writer or a, a designer can actually understand, like talk from the perspective of an older brother telling their younger brother about whatever it might be health wise is super helpful <laughs> when you're trying, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I have to write about this, this, this thing. And I know it's going on this channel. I know how that audience behaves. What is the tone of voice I'm supposed to use use here? Language, what kind of grammar? Um, and that's a very interesting uh, thing. And I don't think enough brands do a good job of that. I appreciate that you push them to kind of document it as a as a an artifact that they can you know hold up, put up in their put up on their desk and hang on to. It's also helpful on the agency side because then when we send content for review, we can always point back to it. You know, put yourself in the shoes of the person we said was doing the writing here. And does this align with that? If not, if we miss the mark, let's talk about it. But it does give us sort of that fail safe to say, all right, we all established that this was our voice. So are we meeting it or are we not meeting it? So switching gears here, but still, I think kind of on a very similar note, just in terms about audience first and, and thinking about the audience, you recently did a really cool campaign with PetSmart Charities and was hoping that you could walk us and Social Pros listeners through it. Because it is, of course, going back to what you'd mentioned before, um, loving working with nonprofits, um, PetSmart Charities, for everybody who doesn't know, is the um, charitable arm of PetSmart, where they focus a lot on um, saving and rescuing animals and a whole bunch of other stuff. But Hannah was wondering if you could walk us through that amazing campaign that you just completed. Sure. So um, every year they do national adoption weeks throughout the year. Um, and those are really their big push to get animals out of the shelters, out of the rescues, into the arms of loving folks. Um, but there's a lot to consider there, right? Owning a pet is not a light responsibility and it's something that takes dedication and time. So we have to toe the line between educating folks on what it looks like to be a pet parent, um, and then also encouraging them to show up and explore the bonds that they could have with um, these animals. And what that looked like for us was working with their team to create um, pretty robust content that showcased the different animals. They had teams that were boots on the ground sending us content throughout the entire adoption weekend. We were taking that and pushing it out in real time. So we were getting those um, fantastic stories about pets into um, the feeds of everyone who could potentially adopt. Uh, and the results were great. I will tell you the number, but I don't know it off the top of my head. So uh, just know that it was big. And it was one of the marquee weekends that I think they've had over the past couple of years. Um, and all of that is amazing. Um, what's more amazing is all the pets that now have happy homes. And we're all really excited about that. But that type of work really energizes the team. Those are the things that, you know, working over the weekend feels like a drag sometimes. But when you're doing it for this reason and you know that the result is going to be something really incredible, 
um, it's easy to rally around that and, you know, want to create amazing content that not only resonates from a look at this cute puppy or kitten standpoint, but also does the hard work of um, bringing the reality of what pet ownership looks like to life so that people can be responsible pet owners. As a uh, new, a new, uh, newly <laughs> minted pet, second time pet owner, uh, I use that. I don't know that I love that phrase, that term pet owner, because they kind of own you in a way. True. Anyway, uh, pet companion, I will say a dog companion. We just adopted a, uh, turns out a puppy in June and we didn't think she was a puppy at the time, but she actually is. And, uh, so that's, it's been fun to have that energy. I'm curious, I'm curious, uh, when, what channels were you really focused on? Is it, was that kind of on like the PetSmart brand, brand channels? Was it a combo with some influencers? Uh, what, what did kind of the shape of it look like, uh, from that perspective? Yeah. So this is again, where you get into those interesting agency situations. Um, we are the agency for PetSmart charities. PetSmart has a separate agency and an amazing in-house brand team. Um, and our PetSmart charities team that is internal is amazing as well. So it's kind of this combination of folks working together all towards one goal. Um, but really for us, where we were focused was mostly on Instagram, a lot of Instagram stories because we can get them out quickly. And as we have content over the weekend, um, that's super simple for us to spin up. We're also able to do simple Q&A there. We're able to get people to interact very quickly. So that was a place where we spent a lot of energy. Uh, and then on the PetSmart side, we did have, of course, their pushes as well, um, aligning with you know, what their brand messaging is as a greater organization. So having that support was um, really important to the success of this campaign too. So it's kind of this dance between a whole bunch of partners, making sure that all of our content looks the same and feels cohesive, um, but that it's on the right channels to reach the audiences that they need to reach respectively. And isn't that the joy of agency right there? It that, is. I mean, that is always... <laughs> That is always the tough position that one finds themselves in. Uh, any any anyone in the social pros community who's spent any time on the agency side uh, certainly empathizes with it. But I hope you know too those on the brand side who maybe haven't been in the agency environment appreciate that uh, among their agency partners. Where it's not always easy to to be in that position and deliver the results. Like in PetSmart's case, you know, I I think at one point you shared it was they broke uh, adoption records for the the campaign, which uh, had to feel good. And certainly for the animals involved, uh, had to feel great. Absolutely. You know, Life-changing for, for those animals. So that's uh, really, really good. So in terms of, I'm curious, Hannah, because obviously we were talking about success and audience first and having to guide clients uh, through some very interesting times. Uh, things in the world of social media are a little weird right now. Um, you also have a lot of different things happening with meta, with like threads, and then also, um, you know, just uh, the metaverse was sort of there and then not there. It just feels like there's just sort of like a lot of push and pull happening right now within the social space. So how are you helping clients get through this right now? And first off, let me back up. Not just how are you helping them get through this right now, but what should people be doing right now? Like, it just feels like every day the space is so different and so volatile and it just, nothing feels 
predictable or consistent. So what should people be doing right now? Yeah, I think this is a hot take, but I don't think they should be doing. And I know that's weird to say, but I've been talking to our clients a lot about this. And I really feel like Threads is a great example. A lot of times we want so badly to be on these new platforms and we want to be a voice in the conversation. And then, you know, slowly within a matter of weeks, we see that if we would have gone all in on threads, the audience that we thought we might have been hitting maybe isn't engaging with them anymore. And so while I want to be um, a person who can talk to a client and say, oh my gosh, we have this strategy ready made for you. Let's go. That's just not how I operate. Um, I like to take a pause. I like to say, let's be really realistic about what we're trying to do and what we want to accomplish. And then let's see if these things fit. And the other thing is just transparency. Like we don't know what we don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen with X tomorrow. Um, so I can't predict the future there, but what I can do is equip our clients with the most up-to-date knowledge that we have. And a lot of times that just looks like on status calls saying, Hey, here's the latest. And by the way, we're not really spending a lot of time on Twitter X right now because of X, Y, Z and making sure that they know that we're adjusting our efforts. Um, not because we don't want to explore those things or be innovative, but we want to be innovative when it makes sense. And we want to be innovative when um, it's the best use of our time. And honestly, I think where it goes back to again is figuring out what channels are the right channels to meet the people that you're trying to talk to. And then how are you talking to them? What's happening there? I would rather spend time in our communities engaging with people on Instagram and Meta and, you know, starting those conversations and building those bridges and use the time there than trying to explore these new platforms that we just don't know if they're a sure thing yet. Um, so that's kind of how I'm, I've been approaching it. Um, I will say subject to change. Everything is subject to change. And that's one of the most infuriating and also exciting things about working in social. Infuriating and exciting indeed. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and this is something we don't we don't ask a lot of social pros guests about, and maybe maybe we can do a better job of it. Um, but I'm curious, how did you fall into the into the business of social media as kind of a profession in the first place? What is what is kind of your your journey to becoming a social pro? Yeah, let me first say I didn't know that social media was a job um, when I was in college uh, because it kind of wasn't yet. And so I got a job at a small consulting firm doing social um, on brand pages when f Facebook first was spinning up brand pages. And that was exciting to me. I liked it. So I managed actually, I managed a Facebook page for a food prep company, like for preppers, which was very interesting. Um, and that's where I kind of got to realize like, oh, you can literally talk to anyone on social and there's a bunch of ways to do it and you can get creative. And then from there, I went to the largest temporary tattoo manufacturer in the world, which, by the way, is in Tucson, Arizona, for those of you who didn't know. Um, and they had no social presence, no blog. 
Um, and so started working with them, trying to figure out what that looked like and um, building content, making sure that people understood that temporary tattoos could fit into a million facets of their life that they never thought that they needed a tattoo for. Um, and that was really exciting. Did that for a couple of years and then moved to my first agency. Um, and my first agency job, I worked mostly on uh, CPG and multi-unit restaurant brands. Shout out Peter Piper Pizza. That one was fun. Um, but I think from there, I really just realized that I had this passion for telling stories, finding people and people that would resonate with those stories and then putting those stories in the right place with the right engaging content to make sure that people loved them. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. So I don't know, something over like 10 years now, I think. From preppers to temporary tattoos to a living, breathing social media pro, that is that is quite the backstory. <laughs> we, we need to uh, maybe do another episode on temporary tattoo and preppers. Uh, that's- Would love to talk about it. That is audience definition right there. I mean, that is a that is taking the narrowest possible audience definition that you you possibly could, I think. Uh, well, Hannah, it's been amazing having you here learning what's up at, at Lane Terrelever and of course, just getting to know you and and uh, all of the work that you've been doing for PetSmart charities and and others. Um, we can't let you go before we ask the final two questions we've asked every guest on social pros. If you feel ready for it, I've got the first question for you. I'm ready. Let's do it. All righty. If you could give a piece of advice to any aspiring social pro, what would it be? I think that people may have gathered this through this conversation, but my advice is always that you just don't have to be everything to everyone. And when you work in an agency, people will tell you that you do. And they will tell you that you should wear 35 hats and you should do it all. And it's great to be T-shaped and do it. But you don't have to. And just in the same way that our brands don't have to be on every channel, um, we can be thoughtful about how we do our work and what drives us and what we're passionate about. And I think that's critical to finding success. I love that. Thank you so much for providing that answer. It's that is anybody who's ever worked at an agency, there is that pressure to know everything about everything, or at least enough to like, you know, have an opinion or a strategy or something. But I love that, especially really knowing what you're best at or what you enjoy even like just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Um, and yeah, I think too, like just spreading yourself so thin also leads to higher chances of burnout too. So love that. Love, 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 love that perspective. Based on that answer, I'm really curious about your uh, answer to the second question, which is going to be uh, if you could have a video call with any living person, who would it be? I love this question. Um, I think another passion of mine outside of social is cooking. And I think it would be Ina Garden. And here's why. She just does such a great job of understanding who's watching her and what they want from her. And she's so warm and inviting. And now she's so beloved that she's become, you know, TikToks and memes. And I just think she's incredible. And I would love to talk to her and pick her brain. And I just that would that would be very fun for me. 
I also find her to be so soothing. Like to your point, she's so welcoming and like warm. Like it, there's something very soothing, almost like a like a heated blanket about her. Um, agree. And I also heard too that she has like an amazing chocolate chip cookie recipe that I keep wanting to make and look at. But um, I think I have it. I'll send it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, she she herself is like a warm chocolate chip cookie. I love it. Well, I hope in the future that you do. I hope she's listening. Um, for all of the amazing social pros tips and that you get to have that video call with her because that would be really fun. Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so great to chat with you. Thank you. This was awesome. Really happy to be here. Yes. And um, hope to hear more from you in the future as well. Of course, um, everybody go follow Lane Terrelever. Go follow Hannah on all the things. We'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes as well. And social pros, uh, listeners, thank you so much for being back once again on what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole wide world, Social Pros. Social Pros.